0: Smartcast
1: you're listening to a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hello and welcome to the HD Branch podcast it's... The weekly companion to your printed copy of HD Branch where I your host Karishma Kunzang from Team Branch give you a behind the scenes of what you'll be reading on Sunday. This series is available on hdsmartcast.com, India's fastest growing podcast producing platform. Hey guys, how's it going? Have you ever been fat shamed? I have. A lot of times when I was a kid because I was a healthy baby and no amount of basketball would uh, help me shed the weight whose burden kind of grew heavy each uh, day you know and it took a long long time for me to be okay with my body and how uh, much I weighed and uh, you know there were notions like uh, no one marries a healthy girl that were drilled into my head uh, since the very beginning and even today there are enough comments that come my way Um, You know, what with the lockdown weight I've uh, put on, you know, and uh, being fat shamed is a given if you're not a skinny girl now. Friends, family, peers, neighbors, aunties you meet at every shadi, be it in person or on Zoom. It's something that's common now. Uh, but things do seem to finally and hopefully be turning around with people finally embracing the concept of loving and accepting their own bodies. Um, so today we've got fashion writer Bharat Gupta, who's speaking to models Payal Sony, Apurva Rampal and Varshata, who uh, talk about their experiences as curvy models in the industry for HD Brunch.
0: Hi, guys. I'm Bharat Gupta, and I'm here with three women who have busted the myth of what is perceived as standard model size. They're powering through with some of the most prestigious campaigns with top brands and designers. Payal, Varshita, and Apoorva are body positivity champions who have shown that curves definitely don't lie. Welcome to the podcast. I'd like to begin by congratulating all three of you for showing the world that diversity is really the new normal. Apoorva, I'd like to begin with you. You know, you were a part of the K-beauty campaign with Katrina Kef. And curve mm-hmm. models as a profession is relatively, it's a relatively new concept in India. Uh, do you think yeah. people have started accepting curve models and plus size models?
2: I think uh, we have passed the age where the Indian fashion industry only accepted and promoted size zero models. Instagram has helped propel the body positive movement to where it is today. And from being labeled fat to curvy is a good start and indicative of people shifting mindset. Just like a few years ago, having plus-size models in a fashion show would have been unheard of. Yet here we are now where Lakme Fashion Week has a segment for plus-size. And I feel we are on the right path now, but there are still some ground to cover till reach the point where the fashion industry is closer to representing uh, all types of people in society.
0: I think Baby Steps is a good movement towards positivity. And I'd agree with Apurva that the transition has been made, a shift in mindset has happened, and we've moved towards a more positive outlook towards different body types. Now, Varshita, you were spotted by the iconic designer, Sabhya Sachi, a campaign that most models dream to be a part of. While Sabya Sachi has pioneered the acceptance of diversity with all his campaigns, there is a discussion where people talk about what is now being labeled as the fat tax, where certain designers are charging extra for larger-sized outfits. Do you think that's really fair to charge extra money just because someone is a larger size?
2: But to answer your question, I'd actually like to quote someone um, like Masaba Gupta, who actually went on a show. I don't remember which show this was, and she said, "You know, being a designer, I can attest to the fact that it doesn't take a lot of money to make clothes for larger women." So the whole point here is, the designers have agreed and attested to the fact that they are not having to uh, spend a lot of money on making these clothes for larger women. Then why? charge these women a little extra than the others. I think it's complete discrimination. And we've spoken about discrimination on so many levels. Like given in your article, where Apoorva or IAPIL or anyone else who has spoken, they stand against discrimination in the fashion industry when it comes to size or different shapes. I just don't understand. I feel like fashion industry is evolving so much these days, especially in the West. If you see, there are so many beautiful models, beautiful curve models who are walking the runway for such prestigious, big time, big designer brands. I just don't see why that hasn't really penetrated into an Indian society where the average woman is actually size 16. And what's really boring is the fact that these days, like you mentioned fat tax, which is so wrong on so many levels, because all of these designers who work so hard to make these clothes for these women, and most of the markets, if you, see, if you see, if you see the kind of customers that they get, it's mostly women who wear medium or large sizes, or sometimes even extra large. So I just don't understand how they would actually be profiting by making these women pay more when in reality these are the kind of women who actually come to them to buy clothes so i think it's completely wrong on so many levels and it should not be encouraged and there has to be more forums where people actually come forward and uh, speak against these things not just women but also men and you know people need to fight this bias not only within the industry but also in terms of retail and how it has to be conducted
0: that's very true, Varshita. And it brings us back to the same narrative that when designers design for XS or smaller sizes, do they then charge clients lesser money? No. So when you have the same uh, price for a particular outfit for s- extra small, small, medium, large, then why charge extra for extra large? Pyle, you are very active on social media and influencer, if I may call you so. You were also <laughs> part of the Face Anything campaign for Ole which literally created waves across the country and globally. It had four powerful women. You were the body positivity champion amongst them. Do you feel that being so active on social media, you have faced any sort of discrimination or comments that may uh, tune you towards body shaming or if you've been trolled at all?
1: Firstly, thank you, Bharat, for having me here. Uh, yes, I have faced many times, uh, like I I do get DMs, I do get messages. People do troll me. And I feel uh, people troll everyone who is doing great in their life. And about discrimination, yes, not only on social media, I have faced uh, discrimination with the brands as well. If you see, Wasita has said, uh, we are evolving. Yes, we are evolving. But somewhere, uh, I saw that uh, these brands who are so-called body positive, uh, they are more focused on financial aspects.
0: When people are accepting larger sizes today and, uh, you know, you see women with fuller bodies being a part of uh, bigger campaigns as well, there is another dialogue which says that this acceptance is leading to people glorifying obesity. Do you think that this is a justified explanation?
2: I, for one, I honestly believe that body positivity movement cannot be defined in terms of us glorifying uh, women who are fat and us glorifying obesity and promoting obesity and preventing people from working towards uh, maintaining a healthy lifestyle or getting fit. That was never the motto from the beginning. When I was discovered by Mr. Mukherjee, he had never he never had an agenda in mind. He never told me that you're going to be the next big thing or that I'm going to promote you as a curve model or a plus size model or I think it's a fad or that I must have this in my campaign to garner attention. Nothing at all. I remember the first conversation I ever had with him is when he had asked me to uh, be part of his campaign and to come for a test Should I asked him if he was... If he was just joking, because I had never really seen so many curve models on bigger platforms such as these and I remember what he had said to me he said you know what I'm only taking you because I find you very beautiful and it has got nothing to do with your size because I'm somebody who loves women of all shapes and sizes so that's exactly what body body positivity movement is about and it's not just about fat women trying to embrace being fat or embrace being curvy and promote other women and encourage other women to remain the same it's not at all about that when you say body positivity it is also a matter of how even thin models like I have a lot of friends who are struggling with weight I have models who are size two and they want to get to size zero and they start they're struggling with anxiety eating disorders and all sorts of things because sometimes an agency will tell you please come back to us if you when you lose seven more kilos or if you lose if you knock off 10 more kilos I think you look much better so these are the things that we are actually speaking against and fighting against because we want to make women feel comfortable in their bodies which means that if you're of a certain height and of a certain weight and if you're happy with the way you are. And if you're healthy, then I don't see any reason why you must not eat what it is that you like to eat. And why am I required to do four hours of exercise when I can just walk for 30 minutes a day and maintain a healthy lifestyle and be healthy and be comfortable in the kind of clothes that I'm wearing. So body positivity is about embracing your self, your flaws. And it's about how each person is different and each person has a different body shape and each person has different nutrition requirements. As long as you maintain a healthy lifestyle, as long as you're able to take care of yourself and not eating too much junk, meditating, getting enough sleep, exercising for about 30 to 45 minutes every day, I think that should be it. So that's what, and when we're trying to link it to the fashion industry, all we're saying that fashion industry should be accessible to women of all shapes and
0: sizes. Thank you, Apurva. Thank you, Payal. Thank you, Varshita, for being a part of this.
1: I've always been more of a red wine sangria fan But at one office party about more than a decade ago I was acquainted to a relatively less sweet uh, red wine Which was also affordable That was the Madeira red wine Which then grew to be a staple for me, you know, for years And then I got introduced to the wide range that Sula has to offer at the annual Sula Music Festival, which also turned out to be more potent than I expected. But it definitely made the joy of watching English ensemble Jungle perform live in the vineyards uh, much more memorable in its own heady way. Here's what HD Branch columnist Veer Sanghmi has to say about his experience with the much wider range of Indian wines through the years.
3: Do you drink Indian wine? Well, I used to when I was in college and I have to add above reasonable drinking age. And the wines in those days had names like Golconda and Bosca. And frankly, they were pretty disgusting. But when you're youngish, that's about all you can afford. After that, when I became a serious wine drinker, there were very few Indian wines I took seriously. There was one, there was something called Grover La Reserve, which came out of Bangalore, which was made with the collaboration of a very famous French wine expert called Michel Roland, which was drinkable, and I ordered that often. But then I sort of abandoned Indian wine till some years ago I met a man called Kapil Sikri. Kapil and his brother Gaurav Sikri were very rich, well-off industrialists from Delhi and they were expanding into wine I think only out of passion more than anything else. I tried their wines and I said they were great but of course they could be better. You know in my business you do these kind of tastings all the time and then you forget about them but actually these wines got better and better and now Their flagship wine, sette, is easily world-class. It's the sort of wine I would drink at home without a second thought. Even as I admired Kapil for his youth and his energy, he got COVID. It was asymptomatic, so nobody worried too much about it. He tested negative and he was fine. Then one fine day, after a little excursion, he suddenly collapsed and sadly he passed away. He was 45. It was not just a shock to all of us, but we couldn't imagine how a man who had done so much for the Indian wine industry, he was in the pink of health, he was a fitness freak, could end up this way. It's given us all a shock, but fortunately, Kapil's legacy endures. One of the things he launched just before all this happened was a wine in cans called Tilt, meant for younger people. It's very drinkable, it's good value, and I wish when I was young we had things like Tilt around. I would recommend Tilt. I'd recommend all of Couple's wine. They're called fratelli. But most of all I think I just miss couple.
1: If you live in Bombay like I do, for the next few days at least then uh, you would have been tempted at least once during the lockdown to just drive down to Goa and soak up some freedom. We've all had Goa plans that have been canned and uh, 2020 has been no exception. I I actually know someone who cancelled his trip five times before getting fed up and taking a flight from Bombay to Goa. He's COVID-free and still there, so all's well. Uh, I admit though that even I've been tempted to, you know, just uh, go to Goa. But uh, I just haven't had the nerve to step out for more than groceries, forget uh, frolicking on a public beach somewhere. Or maybe it's just my unwillingness to deal with the uh, worrying about sanitized washroom breaks, uh, hygienic food, and homestays. But uh, H.T. branch columnist Rehana Munir just spent 10 days there. Listen on for her 2020 Goa experience.
4: So I've just returned from 10 days in Goa. In ordinary times, uh, this is like an excellent break from reality. But in 2020, it seemed like I just entered a portal to another galaxy where no one's even heard of COVID. <laughs> I, I wish that cliche about tourists from all over India storming goan beaches uh, wasn't true, but sadly it is. Uh, the safety protocols are uh, sort of, you know, taken a bit too lightly and I can completely understand all the consternation and all the displeasure being caused uh, to the locals. Uh, having said that, you know, Goa does what Goa does. Uh, it's surreal right now. The beaches are all there for you to enjoy, but not all shacks are open. The hotels are open, but the pools are closed. So, in your head, you're constantly comparing your 2020 Goan trip to all the other Goan holidays you may have had. And you're in a kind of a mental hierarchy. Was that the best muscle I've ever had? Is that the best sunset I've seen? Was that the best wave I've ever dodged? You know, and um, you kind of psych yourself up wondering whether it was worth it uh, making this trip and doing the tests and whatnot. Well, uh, my answer is yes, it's absolutely worth it. If you're responsible and safe, uh, do fly in there or go drive in there, however you uh, choose to do it. Uh, But while there, a little bit of advice is that, you know, allow yourself a breather. Uh, The best afternoon I spent in Goa was just lying in bed reading a book And even that had a magical quality to it. Um, And the best meal I had, I'm embarrassed to say, was this Chinese food that I ordered in uh, fried rice and chicken chili and caramel custard. You know, it's when you give up the idea of having the best fish thali or chasing the best aqua adventure, that you can really sit back and relax and uh, let Goa take over. So if you do go, I hope you have a good, responsible, happy time there. Uh, And that's what this week's column is about. Bye.
1: This week, I'm excited to introduce the musician we have in store for you for multiple reasons. She's got a soothing voice, has just come out with her first song in Hindi, which isn't her first language and has roots in Kalimpong, a small town near Darjeeling where my mom's from. Meet Kier Achetri, a 17-year-old who's based out of Gurgaon and has just released a new song titled Now I See. Um, she came out with her first single called You'll See when she was just 15 years old, um, tags Ed Sheeran and Coldplay as her inspirations and reveals that 4am is her favorite time of the night to pen down her songs. Hope you like what she has in store for you today.
0: Hi everyone, my name is Kiara Chhetri, I'm a 17-year-old singer and songwriter from Gurgaon, and today I'll be singing a song called Now I See, which is from my debut album 4 AM that just came out recently. Now I See is a song that gets in your feels. It's all about a relationship that just wasn't meant to be. So I hope you guys enjoy it.
3: Left for you to show up at my door. What happened to the late nights and the bar? Did they even mean anything at all? So tell. This just wasn't meant to be
0: Thank you so, so much and have a great Sunday brunch.
1: The weekend is when you take a break from a hectic week, whether it's work from home or work from work. It's also a day to develop perspective on things by not just consuming news, but also analyzing it by listening to different points of views and figuring out what you feel about it. We hope we've been able to do just that with today's HD Brunch podcast. Feel free to give us feedback and suggestions on HT Smartcast on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram or DM us directly at HT Brunch on Instagram and Twitter. To listen to more podcasts, log on to htsmartcast.com or suno nae se. I will see you back here next weekend with another dose of entertainment that keeps things real. Till then, happy brunching guys!